Welcome, valued listeners, to episode two of the Lose All Your Money podcast. I think that's actually all you need to know about what this podcast is about. This is a podcast about losing all your money. I'm Silent Rob. I talk occasionally. My esteemed co-host, or host really, is Jay Swab, Jay Swab Sports. Jay Swab, what's going on today? How are we going to lose our money? We're going to focus mainly on the Super Bowl and how we can not only tie that in to the last professional football game of the year, but we're going to tie it into some other things. we got novelty props. we got multi-way props, multi-market props, multi-sport props. Sounds absolutely nonsensical. Yes. Yes. You're going to have a good time Sunday night and God willing, you're going to lose all your money. <laughs> good. Good. Well, we're going to start this one off with something a little bit different. I'm going to bring you back, Jay. I know you're a history major, nerd alert. However, I'm going to hit you with a a history question first. Do you know the name of the royal, the royal figure who financed, who financed the adventures and the journey of Mr. Ferdinand Magellan? Some Portuguese bro. I don't know. Close. It was Spanish. It was Spanish. Oh, he flew. He flew under the Spanish flag. He did. He did because mm-hmm. Portugal, his own country, wouldn't finance him. Common theme. Common theme. Yeah, for real, for real. But anyway, this week's way to historical way to lose all your money is to let your global ambitions to create a global empire and to restore yourself to the title of Holy Roman Emperor. And then take out a bunch of loans from the Germans. That's one way to lose all your money. So the the guy is named King Charles. And King Charles was a young king in 1519 or whatever. Back when Magellan was like, yo, give me some, give me five ships to go find the Spice Islands. I will fly under Spanish or I will, I will go under Spanish auspices to look and find a Spanish route and do all this in the name of, you know, Catholicism and the Spanish king. So this young king did it when the Portuguese king had turned down Magellan for the same request. He subsequently borrowed a bunch of money. Leverage will be a big theme here on losing all your money. Subsequently borrowed a bunch of money from the Germans, which he had a lot of trouble paying back, and then borrowed more money to pay to, I think, the papacy, something about the Vatican maybe, in order to actually get the title, which was meaningless, well, maybe not meaningless, but functionally powerless, of Holy Roman Empire. So he bankrupted Spain, sent them into hyperinflation. Generally, a bad time for all was had. King Charles in Spain in 1530 or whatever. So that's that's our historical uh, example of how to lose all your money. Very, very interesting. I was going to go with Kurt Schilling, but we'll save that for another podcast. But yeah, exploration, it'll get you some time, you know. Hit or miss. Yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah, was there anything NFT-wise? I think you said you had some jokes before we, we go to the Super Bowl props. I have another quiz question for you. All right. Under, we'll stick with the Ethereum blockchain. On the Ethereum blockchain, can the Ethereum blockchain itself hold images or videos or GIFs? I have no clue. Do you have a guess? I would say no, but I have no clue. You're correct. You're correct. So the current iteration, which of course is an approximation and a first attempt and maybe not where we're all going in our NFT bonanza world, 
includes what I would call a fairly janky technical solution, which is that images represented by NFTs, which you can view on mobile or browser or in your wallet or whatever, are just pointers on the Ethereum blockchain. The Ethereum blockchain contains some sort of text, literally a link like you would find on a website that is a hosted image and that image is hosted on a server somewhere. So I don't know, just a, a word of caution around the authenticity, the decentralization, the we're not really there. We haven't really distributed all that much. We've distributed, you know, a little bit of consensus on the agreement about where these things go, but images still live on servers. Uh, servers are still centralized and controlled by whoever they're controlled by. Maybe Ethereum will one day be truly like Amazon Web Service decentralized of the whole web. But today, all your NFTs are just pictures or pointers to a picture hosted on someone else's server, at least for now. So are you telling everybody to buy Bitcoin? Did it sound like that's what I just said? Well, I mean, you're just hating on ETH, but you were you were defending ETH last time we had our excellent guest on last podcast. You said how... If you just did 50% Bitcoin, 50% ETH, it would outdo any NFT, not any NFT project, but the vast majority, you know, a, a spider or an index of the sure, sure. best NFT project. No, no, I'm not flipping that bet in particular. I'm just saying I used Ethereum as a, a simple example because blockchains are, you know, there's a zillion of them. And I'm sure if I just set a blanket statement of, oh, this can't happen on any blockchain, that would be incorrect. But Ethereum is the biggest, the most popular, has the most value locked in NFTs probably. And so I thought it was it was a, a salient example. It's not really a hate on ETH the token either. It's more our current iteration of NFTs and how they work and the idea that they are distributed or decentralized or non-censorable or whatever. I, I don't think that they are that yet, just based on technical limitations. But again, I'm a skeptic, not a dreamer. So all the dreamers are rich. I'm not. Yeah, and I mean... From a technical standpoint, there's no doubt you definitely know more about that than me, but there's also a world where the current iteration of NFTs is not even the way that we've even correctly identified them yet, if that makes any sense. So, you know, we might look back 10, 15, 20 years and say, yeah, we were doing this idiotic stuff using this technology and then we found a way more efficient use for it. So, yeah, I, I don't pretend to know these things. I just know people who have... You know, I've said this a thousand times, but people who have helped me be successful in other ventures, who I trust to know that are way smarter than me, they're not just saying to buy this stuff. They are buying these things or they are building companies around it. So, you know, I'm cool going down with them. And, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to know all this jibber jabber you're talking about, Rob. I just, I just watch up only TV. That's all I watch is up only TV. <laughs> you watched up only TV. They get, they get way further into this topic. A shout out to Up Only TV. Uh, highly recommended for having literally the best guests in crypto, I think. I, I don't think their guest list gets any better than like their last five includes like Vitalik and Sailor. They're just rocking right now. Anyway. Yeah, those are, those are the only two I've seen and I was very impressed. Sailor, yeah, he likes his Bitcoin and that makes me just want to buy more Bitcoin. But yes, let's get to the real reason everyone's listening. Rob's time is done. Thank God. We are here to talk about the Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Rams are a four-point favorite. The game is played in gorgeous Inglewood. 
the Rams slash Chargers Stadium, the total of 48 and a half points. I think this might be the worst Super Bowl that I can remember. I'm forced to choose to root between the freaking LA franchise and the Cincinnati Bungles. And I think I'm going to be rooting for the Rams just as a fan, just because of Matt Stafford and Jake Funk. Jake Funk, the running back, former Maryland running back, Maryland high school rushing holder, touchdown holder from Damascus High School, an absolute legend. I went and saw Maryland play at Texas with some buddies and he scored a touchdown and then made the tackle on the next play on the kickoff on the special teams. He's just an absolute legend and he, he got drafted by the Rams. So I can't believe to say this, but I guess go Rams. Rob, who are you rooting for in this one? Dude, I'm a man of the people and the Joe Burrow fever is simply taking over. He's too, he's a cool cat. He's like the camel. He's like the cool camel. He's the man, too. I don't. I just can't. I can't really root against uh, Joe Burrow what he's got going on vibe wise. So I, I don't disagree. Two of my biggest bets ever have been against Joe Burrow, and he beat me both times. And I still love Joe Burrow. I had a hedge with Kansas City last week pregame via fantasy contest, and then in college I had a huge bet on Clemson and to win the, the national championship from a year prior. And LSU beat Clemson in New Orleans in the national championship. So two of my biggest bets in my life, and and I still do love me some Joe Burrow. Anyone who can make Cincinnati swaggy, I mean that's that's just impressive. It is impressive, it is. But we have listener requests specifically for silly prop bets. Jay, did you prepare any favorite silly prop bets? Absolutely. I mean, this whole show is going to be dedicated to to prop betting and some basic strategies, some fun strategies. As far as betting the actual game, it's just like any other NFL game. It's extremely efficient for that. If you want to do the the spread or the total, you're pretty much just doing that 47, 46%. You'll win 50% of the time, but with the VIG implied, your break-even rate needs to be somewhere around 53%. So if you think you can beat either side, have fun on it. Bend in my head, if I had to take something, I would take the under 48 and a half. But I, I just I think both these teams aren't that good. The Bengals allowed nine sacks to the Titans and still won that game. Something I've never heard of before. I also have said I thought the Rams were overrated kind of all year. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just haven't given it enough time. But I think this is probably the worst Super Bowl I can I can remember. <laughs> when you say worst, you mean two shittiest teams. You mean the matchup yes. is not good. Yes. You mean the fan bases are. Yes. You know, have mental issues. What's going on? Yes. Well, Rams fan base. If you want to call it that, yes. I mean, we know s- several specific people who claim to be Rams fans with mental uh, issues. And but no, I, I think both of these teams are dog shit for Super Bowl teams. I just the Bengals. I, I can't believe the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Uh, the two best teams this year were the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills obviously lost to the Chiefs on probably the craziest game you'll ever see, and then the Chiefs just self destructed two weeks ago in the AFC Championship game and, and allowed the Bengals to come back. I mean, more power to them. And then the Rams beat the the Buccaneers on the road. Pretty decent team. Probably the best team in the in the NFC, and then came back to beat the 49ers, who have an absolute dog shit quarterback. So yeah, I, I just think this year there's just no great team, and if there were a, a great team or two, they were the Chiefs or the Bills. But you know that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. So 
Don't worry, there's plenty of ways to bet this, plenty of ways to lose all your money. But let's first go into prop wagering. Rob, for a layman's term, what would you define prop wagering as? Prop wagering is, I think it's sort of a proposition, maybe. It's a bet on something that's not score-related, not who will win the game, more like a derivative bet, like something within the game. Yeah, yeah. Your first point was right. It's a proposition. So it can be based on the game. It can be a derivative from the score. It can be, it's really just a lot of times it's yes, no, or comparing two stats. But the best part about it is a word that we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is decentralization. There is no copy and paste, which is all the NFL is and really all sports betting is for the traditional betting. The best sports books in the world, they put a lineup, all the other sports books around the world copy it. And that's just that sports betting. It is centralized. This is decentralized. There's no, you know, because props are not able to be bet every year for the average game. Now, some games always have the quarterback over under stuff like that. And that's just the last five years or so has become more commonplace. But things like the Gatorade color or the, the time of the national anthem or some of these other bets we're going to talk about. I mean, pretty much every skill position player you can find an over-under for. That's something you're not going to be able to find in a normal game. It leads to a, a lack of decent, of, excuse me, a lack of centralization. So you'll see different lines, different places. Some of that just they opened it incorrectly, and some of it is they just took bets from one side and they want to even out their action, which is what you know, at least in theory, that's what sports betting should be. But instead, it's Instead of taking or moving the number based on the bets they're getting in or their handle, they just do it based on they move on air. They move on what other sports books are taking, if that makes any sense. So it does lead to if you're willing to do a little bit of research and, and grind those apps and look at different websites and applications, you're going to be able to find value. You're going to be able to find value. So it is something that I think anyone can do if they want to have some fun with it. The number one thing I would do, and it's the number one thing for any sports better, is make sure you have as many outs as possible. So if you're in Arizona, there's tons of apps. You have Caesars, you have DraftKings, you have FanDuel, you have MGM, you have Bet Rivers, you have WinBet, you have Westgate, which is the best for props. Westgate. It's available in four states. It started in Nevada. It's also in Colorado, New Jersey, and Arizona now. And it's got the best props. And we're going to talk about some of those props in a moment, some of those more uh, janky or, or weirder props. But I want to talk about some basic strategies first and then get into kind of the the more interesting stuff that you know your your source is requesting there, Rob. But is there anything about that before I dive into some of these things that you'd like me to explain more? Or are you ready to take the old prop ride? Let's prop it up. So the first thing that a lot of people do, will they either arbitrage or they will middle a game. So some of these places, props will come out the Monday or Tuesday after the AFC Championship game. So that we're taping on February 7th, the Monday before the Super Bowl. So one week ago, sometimes... Some of those early props will come out and, and they'll be kind of far off and you'll see a lot of sharp people, professionals kind of take a, a strong position. So let's say something like Jamar Chase receiving yards under 90 and now it's somewhere sitting a week later, somewhere around 80, 82. What people will do is, is take a middle of that. So let's say they had, just for argument's sake, they had $100 on that not under 90 
they might take $50 and now that we're a week later and it's down to 82 and they might, they might take over 82. So that way, if it lands 83 to 89 with this receiving, they win both bets. And, and that's, that's called middling. Arbitrage is when there's a yes, no proposition. So it's a, it's going to be a money line bet. So you might get something that, you know, will Cooper Cup get a touchdown? Yes. At let's say minus 110. And then it moves up to minus 150. And the other side is now plus 130. You can now take the no for that and lock in an, an arbitrage profit. You know, probably if you're betting $100 on each side, it's probably somewhere around eight or nine bucks. Obviously, you can see where that would be more appetizing. Let's say if you had a thousand, five thousand, or ten thousand dollars on it, then obviously you're talking about a much bigger number that you're locking in. So that's what the pros will do with this: is they'll bet early, wait for the public to come in, bet what they want to bet, and then take the other side. A real basic strategy is to if you want to bet overs, you probably want to bet that early because the average person is one that you know it's human nature. You want to root for something to occur. So I want to see this person have a touchdown. I want to see this person have a lot of yards or, or, or you know, make a play or a touchdown. So if you want to bet the no or the under, so you're essentially rooting against something happening, you probably want to wait until Super Bowl Sunday till the, the public has come in and bet that up to its highest number. And obviously you should have all those sportsbook apps. So you should find the highest number and you're going to see more of a difference than you would on a normal sports betting thing. Because like I said, it's a decentralized market. So you're going to see maybe one sports book has taken six figures on, you know, a certain receiving yardage and they are just begging for money on the other side. So they're going to hang a number, maybe two, three, four yards above marketplace to entice that. So, so really, the, the, the boring strategy, aka the one I'm going to do, is pretty much just bet blanket unders and just get the best price. So when I get out to Arizona, I, I will be out in Arizona this weekend. I'll download all these apps, take advantage of all the promos for signing up with these apps, things of that nature. And I will make as many bets late as possible unless I see a really good number because I'm going to wait for the, the public to come in and, and bet those, those yeses, those overs. And really, the bigger the player, the more popular the player, the, the more I'll probably be on the under for that player. And it's just basic strategy. I know I'm not going to win all of these bets, but you, know, you just got to look at the, the range of possibilities. It's much more likely to come closer to winning all those bets than it is to losing all those bets because all it takes is one game scenario for all those unders to hit, and that's where no points are scored. Now, it's, it's not very likely that no points are scored, but that's it's much more likely than, okay, it's 50 to 40. And even if it's 50 to 40, and we had this happen a couple of weeks ago in the Kansas City-Buffalo game, and I think it was 42-36, and it went to, went to overtime. Gabriel Davis had four touchdowns and 200 yards. So Stephon Diggs, the, the Bills' best receiver, right, this game went absolutely nuts. He only had seven yards. So if you had the no for his touchdown, if you had the under, you, you won on that. Now, if you, you had the under on Gabriel Davis's touchdown or, me, or yards or touchdown, yeah, you lost, but you only lost one unit. You know what I'm saying? So even if the game goes bonkers, it also has to be evenly distributed, which is even harder to do, right, to, to lose all those things, where it's much more likely on those tail events for you to, to come up roses if you have all the under, because let's say there's just, you know, there's one touchdown or there's 10 points total scored. 
So th those are things to think about. Um, and then that, those are in the extreme ends. The real reason there's benefit on the unders is just because of human nature. People want to bet on the yes and, and, and the over. They want to root for something to happen opposed to rooting against something to happen. And that's where not only are you going to get that inherent value, then you're going to get the best price based on the, the best app you can find. So that's the basic strategy I'm going to have. I'm going to talk about a couple ones that I like. Before I dive into that, does that make sense to you, Rob? Is that interesting? Do you think that's fulfilling your source's request or are they looking for some of these juicier ones that I have teed up for us coming up? I think it's the juice, dude. I think he's looking for the juice, if I'm being honest. And what I'm hearing you say in terms of, let's bring it back here, losing all our money. If we want to lose all our money, we bet with the crowd, probably. Bet overs, bet exciting bets. And bet with those after the price has moved, after they open. And we also don't shop on any apps for any better prices. We just pull open the easiest app after our seventh beer and just say, I'm going with that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. We're not price sensitive. We just close our eyes, click on a button. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that, that's really the main difference. And obviously it's a common theme, but it's a common theme because it works. Speaking of fees, I had a meeting with my uh, 457 representative today or a prospective 457 representative today. What do you think the management fees they were proposing were going to be? Mm, on a brand new 457, I'm going 1.1%. Uh, 1.2, 1.2. Okay. And the guy was trying to be like, you know, so you ready to sign up? And I was like, and I told him, I was like, I have a buddy who's his personal finance. I said, you guys are, are nice. You know, they'd be like, bust lunch one day. I said, that's great. You're doing this. I said, but I'm just going to look at all the fees and see which one's the lowest. I was like, you know how compound interest works? And he's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He was kind of like, yeah, I don't think this guy's going to go with us. <laughs> And I said, but hey, I said something in March and I'm going to look at the other four providers and, and we'll, we'll see. But do you think I'll find something on a little bit less than 1.2? Because I, I was kind of shocked it was that high. I'm not sure. Honestly, they're, yeah, it's not a great, it's not a great market for state employees in most states that I've seen. So I don't know. Oof. I mean, we can obviously talk more about it this weekend, but would that still mean I should not take advantage of the supplemental or? Not necessarily. No. Okay. Uh, the, the, the. Power of tax deferral can often be right. much more, much stronger than than a fee drag. But but yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. The tax dance is one of the longest dances known to man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Sorry for that little commercial there, folks. You know, reach out to Silent Rob. He's doing some stupid business out there. But yes, back to the the real money maker props. Yeah. Wait late for unders. Something to consider. There's nothing in the playbook to hide anymore. It's the last game of the regular season. So uh, trick plays are a little bit more common. So if you can see like, you know, more than over under number of pass attempt or passers attempted, which essentially means people who throw the ball. If you find like a two and a half at a decent price, I, I do like that over. Because that I mean, there's the two quarterbacks, obviously, but usually you get one trick play in there, a wide receiver reverse throws the ball. So you can find a two and a half number of passers over. I do like that bet, but it's all price sensitivity. You shouldn't be laying anything more than maybe 170, 150 on that. I haven't looked at my specific numbers yet. As always, reach out to me. I'm happy to share what I am looking for or playing. But unfortunately, the best sports books 
for these props are out in Nevada and Arizona. And some of the best ones are actually in Arizona now, which is just such a such an awesome phrase. I'm very excited to, to go out there. And then instead of spending time with, with you, Rob, and, and uh, some other friends, I'm just going to, you know, just be on my phone betting on sports. Mm-hmm. So That's smart. So, yeah. <laughs> Another thing to, to think about is uh, the multi-way markets are, are really tough. So that's like the MVP markets. A lot of times you'll, you'll see uh, 20 Wait, multi, Multi-what? multi-way market so for example is the there'll be like 20 offerings of like who could be the mvp and it's very enticing because the quarterbacks are usually the strong favorites because it's a quarterback driven league and sport so some of the big name players that are like defensive players or wide receivers you'll see them at like eight to one or ten to one or twenty to one so it's very enticing but if you add up all the vig so the juice that you're paying, instead of that 10% you're normally playing or paying when you do the spread of the total, it's usually north of 20%. So unless you find a really good outlier, I would not be t- touching those. I would have to be like really enticed. And here's the other thing with MVP is it's narrative It's something that's voted on. It's not like all right, the person with the most yardage or stuff like that. So I could get talked into like a Von Miller or and Aaron Donald being MVP, just given the fact that the Bengals' offensive line was so bad and allowed nine sacks to the Titans, like I said, and Von Miller's already won an MVP, and Aaron Donald is, is pretty much the best player in the, in the NFL that most people don't know of. He's a D tackle for the the Rams, so if he had an awesome game, I can see them, uh, you know, and, and like both the offenses didn't do well, I can see them going there. But I, I would need high double digit odds for both of them at least 50 to one, most likely on both of them, which I don't think, I, I haven't really even looked at just because I don't bet the MVP very much, but that's really the only way I would go with the MVP. The only other way I would bet the MVP is if you got like a promo bonus because very uh, often the quarterback wins the MVP. So instead of taking the Bengals at like plus 160, you could take Joe Burrow and let's say at plus 300 or something, with via a promo or something, that would be kind of a, a smart way to go about it. But but straight up, I would not touch any of those multi-way markets. Another thing you need to look at is the grading of the prop or the house rules. And that's in that fine print. If you are betting on the US regulated ones, which of course all of us are doing, um, there is a regulator. So there will be fine print or at the very least you will have a regulator you can appeal to if needed. If you are a naughty person betting offline, you're kind of at the mercy of the sports book. I would do my homework before putting any major bet in. And I would even just open up their chat and, and say, hey, is this how is this going to be graded? Make sure you get a screenshot of that. And just in case something happens, you have that screen grab. Not that that's ever happened to me before, just a total, total hypothetical. Right. Uh, <laughs> and... Another thing is things that kind of things I like to bet on, usually traditionally, people like to root for overtime. Statistically, these are called like <laughs> bridge jumper bets, which I don't know if that, that's the most PC term anymore, but um, you're kind of laying a lot of money, but statistically it's on your side. So for overtime not to happen, you're probably laying like 400, 500 to get 100 back, but still overtime does not happen nearly as frequently as those odds are offering. So that is a plus EV vet, uh, bet, but it's not exactly the most fun thing to root for when it's like... 
you know, I'm hoping I, I don't lose this five hundred dollars for the for this hundred. But like I said, we're here to help you lose all your money. Mm-hmm. So so have a good time. Basic strategy under on the popular players really lean low on everyone or under, but especially the popular players. Cooper Cup. Every Jack Green's bond is going to fucking take the over with Cooper Cup. So just wait until Sunday. Just wait until Sunday when he, his, his receiving yards go up to 110 or 111 and make the under bet and just know that 58, 60% of the time you're going to win and there's 40% of the time that Jack Green's bond's dumbass is going to be smiling and, and you just got to live with that. That's, that's the life we live. Jamar Chase, another one we talked about pre-show about how Jamar Chase is a very boom-bust type player, and we're going to talk about some ways to utilize that, but his over-under is going to be one where his median is is much lower than his mean, his average, because he's had some of these spike games. I think he's had multi-200-yard performances. He's pretty much the shooting for the rookie of the year, so taking an under on him, taking a no for touchdowns on him or under receptions on him. It's going to be most likely plus EV. And then Odell Beckham Jr., same thing. Just talent to name recognition. The correlation is you're going to get more casual betters betting on the over, the yes for OBJ. He's a good receiver. He's not an amazing receiver like he used to be, or at least public perception is. So we're going to take advantage of public perception by betting the unders, the nos on him. Another one I like to bet, will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? No. This is implying that the best odds I found for this were minus 250. If you minus 250 or better, that's a great bet. That might actually be my first bet. I might fire that one in after the show here. This is implying that defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown happens about 30% of the time, maybe a little bit less when it's really closer to about 18, 20% of the time, especially with special teams. Most of the kickoffs go in the, the touchback or end zone now and punt returns are very, very seldom. You're really just fading a defensive touchdown. And then the one that we all love here, and this is what I think your source was looking for, was cross-sport versus team props. This is, this is the real nonsense dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the basic strategy for this is cross sport man versus team. So what you want is to be betting on a team versus a single player. And the reason you want to do that is the player has a single point of failure. So my favorite bet, now I haven't looked over these two too much yet because I was going to save this for the plane ride on Friday night, but my favorite one that just glancing at these I really like is Gonzaga points minus a half versus versus Jamar Chase's receiving yards. So Gonzaga, Saturday night, plays St. Mary's. Ken Palm has them projected to score about 80 points. But the thing about Gonzaga is, is their range of outcomes is very narrow. Okay, so you're, yes, you're getting the upside of Gonzaga maybe puts up 90, 95 points, but they're going to at least put up 70, 75 points. Whereas Jamar Chase, yes, you get that high, high upside with him, but you also could get... You know, he gets an injury on the second play and you won. Whereas Gonzaga, you're not going to get an injury to the entire team. I mean, the star might get hurt and that might reduce their projections from 80 to 75 points, but that's still the same likelihood or, you know, of the star player getting hurt is pretty much the same as Jamar Chase getting hurt. But if that happens, you win the bet. Now, I understand some of that is priced in, but you got to realize people are going to be, your average better is going to be betting on Jamar Chase more than Gonzaga. So, yes, the injury in, in that 
you know, way of thinking is built in a little bit, but the public is still going to drive up the Jamar Chase because your casual person is going to look at a Jamar Chase bet and want to bet that rather than, you know, a sick pup like me who wants to take the other side and root for Gonzaga points when they're, you know, a Gonzaga versus St. Mary's basketball game. And I have a couple other here that I'm going to share, and it's the same philosophy, but I just wanted to belabor that point and have Rob enter in or, or either questions you may have or, or your source who requested this you think may have for it. That's a hilarious one, too, this this points versus single-player receiving yards. I get what you mean. You're saying that the player by his or herself is – in fact, a single point of failure. So there's a zillion ways that they could lose, and there's fewer ways for Gonzaga to lose in that bet. I would be interested. I mean, this is obviously like a funny thing. It would take it would take some just thinking through of this, but like, is there a price at which you're like, oh no, I love Jamar Chase over Gonzaga here? Are you just saying that the price that you saw on offer made you think, oh yeah, the team the team looks way better on this side on like generally across those uh, cross sport, whatever bets that you saw, or are you just saying this one in particular? You're like, yeah, I really like the price here because there's a price for everything. Yeah. Two points. The last thing you said there is hundred percent, right? There's a price for everything. But for me, the thing that I like about it is it's twofold. One is you have the safety of Gonzaga, which at worst they're going to score 65 points. Okay. We saw in Jamar Chase's game log that even healthy, there was about six or seven games where he got that or less. And if he goes psycho and goes gets 200 yards, well, it doesn't matter what Gonzaga does. But if he gets hurt, like we talked about, you win, things of that nature. So he's somebody where his, his median is lower than his mean, and you're taking advantage of that with this type of a bet because Gonzaga's Gonzaga's range of outcomes is much narrower, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, is this price at something like a coin flip? Yeah, it, well, it's Gonzaga minus a half a point. So, yeah, uh, okay, it's a yeah. and this is a PDF of when they released them. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I take a, the PDF out there is then I can see how much it's bet and I can see if there is value. There's no way I'll take Jamar. I mean, unless it, it got to like plus three hundred or plus four hundred or something like that. I mean, there's mm-hmm. always a price, but. It's never. It's not going to get to that extreme, but does that make sense? Where it's you got a guy with a wide range of outcomes, his tail, especially his negative tail events. You know, his ten yards, twenty yards, thirty yards. That's much more likely to happen than Gonzaga's tail. You know, results. You know, mm-hmm. Gonzaga scoring 40, 50 points. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're getting that benefit, and then you know, if he goes psycho, well, that's fine. We were going to lose anyways. You know, that 20% of the time where he goes absolutely psycho, well, good for him. And you can even barbell strategy that where you could take Jamar Chase. Over 250. Ex- exactly. At 250 or you know, 25 to 1 or 30 to 1 or something like that. Exactly. So that's where you can really – and the thing is, is if you do enough shopping, you can really, you know, massage that and, and get yourself into a – I've come to terms with hedging and I think it does more – more harm than good, but if it helps you sleep well at night, that's that's the best investing strategy there is. But you can have some serious upside with reasonable, you know, there's going to be risk and downside, but if, if you play it out right and you shop all the lines, you read all the props and you do all that, 
but yeah, you, you're going to, you know, sometimes you're going to get middled or, or, or it's going to fall the wrong way and you just got to live with that. That's, that's hip hop. But you do this enough time, you know, you're, you're going to, the stars will align or you'll lose all your money. And that's what we're here for. That so, is what we're here for. Yeah. So, so in summary, this bet in particular, Jamar Chase receiving yards versus Gonzaga points, you think this is like, it should be like plus 300, plus 400, and you can get minus 110 on Gonzaga. Oh, uh, no, no. It, this should, I, I, I haven't calculated this, but it, it, for me, like I said, for me to take it, Chase would have to be like plus 250 to mm. 200, probably okay. 200. And, and there's no way it's going to get there. Now, like I said, I'll land on Friday and I'll download the app and I'll see where we're at. And I could be totally wrong. But, and, and all I did was glance at this. This is just something I looked at. And I, and, and, and there's a couple others I'll talk about here. So the next one is Capitals shots on goal versus Joe Burrow pass attempts. So Joe Burrow's pass attempts minus one and a half. The Washington Capitals are a hockey team. It's over three periods, full game. That's got a narrow outcome, range of outcomes. Where you know they're probably going to get somewhere from twenty to, to thirty shots on goal, whereas Joe Burrow, you know, he could get hurt. The game could be more of a, a low-scoring game, things of that nature. So you still get exposed to you know, Capitals. They might play an overtime game, get extra shots or, or stuff of that nature. So that's where you get the whole benefit of the team, and you won't get the the ruin risk that you get with that single point of failure with Joe Burrow here. Another one is Utah points versus Joe Mixon rushing yards. Utah college basketball game. You know, so Utah is probably projected to score something around 60, 70 points. They're two and a half point spread on this. Joe Mixon, anytime you have rushing yards, running backs in general, their injury risk is very high, at least compared to other positions. So the Utah, at the very least, is going to score 55, 56 points. Joe Mixon could get hurt on the second drive, third drive, things of that nature. So these are the types of bets that I like to make and I will be making. It's a strategy I stumbled on last year. So this is the first year I'm really going to put some serious coin behind it. You know, I, I might land in Arizona and these prices might be gone. And, you know, that's on me and that's just something I got to prepare for for next year. But I will be looking to do that. But the thing is, is the one thing about the Super Bowl is the public influences the market more than it does in any other game for the the whole city, which makes sense. It's obviously the, the most bet on game of the year and really all of North American sports. But yeah. And I like it. Yeah, good, good. So yeah, some final tips. Just to recap, bet unders late. So Sunday, wait for all that money to come in. And, and usually about midday, Sunday, I guess probably maybe late morning on the Pacific side. That's where you want to take those unders, shot for the best price. You know, root for things to not happen or, or think about what your drunk uncle thinks is going to happen and take the other side. Another thing we really haven't talked about is novelty bets, which is like the color of the Gatorade that's dumped on the coach, the national anthem, how they're timed. You know, those are things where people, there are people out there that know the right answer. So I would just grind Twitter on that if you really want to. You're not going to be able to get a lot of money down, but maybe a couple hundred bucks, things of that nature. But once that information comes out, you pretty much have like, 10, 15 minutes of speculation before then it, it gets pulled off the the offerings. You're not going to make a ton off that, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think you're you're putting down any pink slips, or at least you shouldn't be. But yeah, anything else, Rob, or uh, ready to wrap things up? That's it. Good pod. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>